The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome into House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman, and I got something very special for you today. And that very special thing is a Dark Side of the Ring special. Oh! <laughs> That's right, everybody. I'm bringing you not just one, but two big Dark Side of the Ring themed interviews here today. Uh, up first here, just second, coming into House of Wrestling, you're going to hear me chat with uh, Dark Side of the Ring co-creator Evan Husney. And then after Evan's done, you're going to hear like a sound effect, something along those lines, as we flash over to my conversation with Dark Side of the Ring composer, Andrew Gordon McPherson. We got Evan, we got Andrew in the house here today. Just as a quick reminder, if you are tuned in, you are listening to this, go over to houseofwrestling.com, H-A-U-S of wrestling.com. Show us some love. We got a bunch of great exclusives on the site pretty much every day of the week at this point, along with, uh, you know, your regular news coverage of everything else going on in the world of professional wrestling. And since you are listening to this on the House of Wrestling podcast feed, head over to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, leave a review, leave a rating, uh, subscribe, all that great stuff, support the House of Wrestling podcast feed. And without further ado, here it is, the House of Wrestling Season 4 Dark Side of the Ring special. <laughs> Joining me by the fireside right now is our good friend from Dark Side of the Ring. He is one of the co-creators of the show. It is Evan Husney. Evan, thank you so much for taking some time to chat with me here today. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to talk to you again, man. This is awesome. Thanks. So season four, man, we are a week away from as we talk right now. Before we get into what to expect, we'll take a look back at some of the other stuff. How are you feeling right now? How, how does the vibe feel going into this season as compared to uh, other seasons? Man, it's it's good, man. I'm I'm super glad to be back. You know, doing doing what we do with Dark Side. You know, we did Tales from the Territories last year. It was kind of a cool side project. I kind of look at this as you know, we made three Dark Side records. You know, and that was our side project album. And now we're back with the fourth album. You know, so. Um, no, it's good, man. It's definitely good to get back to what we do, and I'm I'm really excited to see uh, the reactions to uh, this season. I think there's a lot of very interesting episodes, a lot of uh, new ground to cover, and a lot of new tones, interesting choices, new voices people have never seen on the show before, so I think that's really exciting, and uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. So, you guys, you talk about reactions. Man, last season, you guys got some reactions last season. You know, you guys did some work that I thought was the best work you've done of the whole series, to be quite frank. Oh, thanks. I was really happy slash proud of you guys for pushing it in directions. I think people would have thought you, you wouldn't have gone, but you did it. You you went all the way there. You told some stories that were tough to tell. And mm -hmm. specifically that plane ride from hell episode uh, right. got, 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 got some craziness coming out of it. I mean, did the reaction to that, episode change the way that you guys approach season four or affect the way you guys do the show i guess in any way no it didn't really change uh how we approach making the show um i think that the reaction to the episode uh, you know i guess the sort of social media reaction to the episode you know those are things you can't really control you know at all 
And I think it was surprising. I think it was surprising not only to um, those of us who work on the show. I think it was surprising to those who were interviewed for the show. Um, and yeah, it was just it, it was it, it definitely got pretty intense. Um, you know, for a while, I think also just because of the controversy of it, I think there were a lot of folks who were sort of, you know, backing away from, you know, the things that they had said. And I'm sure there were things happening behind the scenes, you know, on that pointing fingers, things and that it definitely got very intense. But I think it was really a reminder, you know, for me, I know of what it is that we do um, in that, you know, I think there is this thing with, I don't know, maybe you can relate to this in some ways you know, with like the wrestling business and um, this perception where, you know, everything is very sort of black or white. Like you're either there to put somebody over or you're there to bury somebody, you know, it's either one or the other. And, you know, our show is not part of that ecosystem in that way. Like our show, you know, we're here just to tell the stories as they happened the best way we can with the voices that we get access to. Um, try to get that firsthand information just to, re to just to retell these stories and to capture these stories. Um, and, you know, and I think that, you know, we've never approached anything or never wanted to do anything to judge another person or like, you know, here's how you should feel about this or that. You know, I think what we've done with most of the episodes of our show, including that one, is always presented as many different point of views as we possibly can try to capture an oral history of these events and leave it in the hands of the audience, you know, to sort of determine how they feel one way or the other about these can they relate to it i think that was the big takeaway for that episode or should have been the big takeaway from that episode is how can we relate to this have we treated people in a similar way to this have we been treated in a similar way can we relate can you know and that was what we sort of were hoping for you know we've always approached the show with a wider audience in mind not just a wrestling fan base you know um and i think that can be confused as to what the role or service of our show is it's not to put anybody over it's not to bury anybody it's just to tell the story. Yeah. And, you know, obviously with that particular episode, you had this flight attendant very bravely coming forward and appears breaking this NDA. And, you know, she said these things about Rick, which a lot of people construe just sexual assault. You know, when you, you force your, somebody to, to touch you in an appropriate way, as, as she described. Now, there was kind of a falling out period there for Rick in the community, but he seemed to kind of quickly bounce back. Do you I mean, what was your reaction to the way that that Rick in particular uh, was kind of zoned in and treated in the story that followed with him coming coming out of that season because you guys, I mean, arguably changed the direction of of, of his his life in that stewardess's life as as well, obviously a flight attendant. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much of a reaction. You know, um, it's not something that I really was you know paid much attention to or you know was uh, was th was thinking about. It was much more just you know uh, paying attention to you know our story and the episode and the show. Um, you know, I know Rick has gone on to do a lot of great things, you know, since then. Sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. For me, it's not really much that I've paid much mind to, to be honest. Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, before we get to this season, because I obviously have questions about this one, uh, you did bring up Tales from the Territory uh, with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now, from your end, how did how did this come about? How did you initially get in contact with The Rock? What was your what was going through your mind is like one of the most famous people on the planet <laughs> is saying, I think we could do some business together. <laughs> um, well, it actually started it started a few years ago. It actually dates back uh, to uh, right after season one, uh, where I took the first our, our first meeting with seven bucks, which was great. And we were just kind of jamming on um ideas and what we could possibly do together um and we sort of eventually landed on 
that we both had a mutual interest in the territory era. I mean, we've always been obsessed with, you know, the kayfabe era, the performance art of wrestling, where there's the high stakes, you have to live your gimmick, you have to protect the business at all costs. You know, we love that. <clears throat> and so this was sort of um, trying to figure out a way to uh, just come up with a different framework for a show that could be really fun to kind of preserve a lot of the short form stories that we've heard on the, or that we had heard on the road up to that point. Um, and it was right around the time we were planning and, and we were in pre-production on season two. So we were working on the, the Chris Benoit uh, episode of Dark Side and we had met Chavo Guerrero Jr. And he was also working on, um, uh, you know, Glow, I think at the time. And he was also working on some other productions and getting more involved in productions. And, you know, he had some ideas and we batted around some ideas and we sort of all kind of worked together uh, to come up with the concept of the show we went around, we pitched it to a bunch of different networks. Um, and then ultimately Vice was the one that was the most bullish on it. Um, and it, it didn't really, you know, it didn't really, uh, you know, take off until right around about when we were wrapping up season three okay. is when we, we started really started focusing on it and building a whole new team for it. And then getting the other people from Dark Side onto it when they were finished. And so we went right into it right after season three. So how involved is Dwayne Johnson with with the with the series Tales from the Territory? Was he working alongside you? Was it occasional input? Like how, how involved was he with it? He was right here, man. No. Um <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, uh he uh he uh uh it was awesome. Like, you know, he was super into the idea. Obviously, it's a very passionate, you know, era for him. I mean, this is the time in the business that he grew up in. Um, you know, and so he, I, I remember when it was like, when we were just starting out, I think it was like green light we're, we're like starting to get researchers on board and we're starting to get the wheels turning, you know, he had reached out to us and was talking about, you know, you guys got to make sure you watch Memphis heat, you know? And I was like, oh yeah, I'd seen Memphis heat, you know? Um, and he's like, yeah, I just watched it twice this week. And so he was like in the zone, you know, getting ready for the, to do the territory stuff, which was so cool. And then he would bounce ideas off, you know, he was like, uh, you know, he thought he thought Jeff, it was, like, we didn't really think about Jeff Jarrett being on the Memphis panel, for example, you know, just because we were like thinking about, oh, maybe we'll go for more of the territory generate that generation. But I was like, no, Jeff would be awesome to have on there to like, you know, keep the thing going. And he was really good, I thought, on that episode. So he would he would he would contribute ideas like along the way. And of course, when we got to the Polynesia Pro episode and you know, putting forth people like Bruno and, and stuff like that. So it was awesome. Like, um, you know, it was cool. Like he would watch every single episode and if he had any feedback, we'd hear it and we'd, we'd address it. And it was cool. It was really, really a fun process. So season two, are you getting the vibe or was this a, was this a one and done for you guys? You think? I don't know. Uh, it, the, the, the jury's still a little out on that. Um, on if we're going to go back. Um, I think the intention was always to go into dark side four after this. Okay. And it's it's tough for us, you know, because we, we do like to like maybe we should scale the operation and have other people come in and make stuff and we can oversee. But we love just to be, you know, so hands on and want to and want to make these episodes. I mean, there are a lot of amazing people that make these shows possible. I don't want to minimize that at all by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but we're also kind of thinking about something else that we're potentially going to maybe you know, do together. So there might be something new on the horizon. Uh, maybe we'll see. So, you know, something you never know with, until it's the, yeah, the, with dark, seven bucks. the dark side and the seven buck team possibly doing something else is what you're saying. Potentially. There's an idea out there that I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about. And so I don't know. We'll see. Stay tuned. You know, does we'll it see. involve it, 
Dwayne and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? <laughs> uh, no, it does not involve that. <laughs> that Sorry, I can guys. say definitively. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I tried. <laughs> um, well, I was now correct me if I'm wrong here. Now, I do know that the series starts next Tuesday, right? May 30th. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was looking at the releases and everything, and I went to my DVR to try to figure out what the first episode was. Now, have they announced what the first episode is going to be? Am I missing something or no? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's confusing. Um, yeah, it, it, it got a little bogged down from like some weird airing order that got posted uh, that, that wasn't correct. Um, so I, 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 I don't know where it came from, but I do need to kind of clarify that on social media and I will, but clarify yeah, it, is, it here. No, do this here. Okay, this is, yeah, right. please. Thank you. Okay, yes. We can clarify it right now. Um, okay. Here, I just, let me, let me pull up the old, uh, the thing here. Okay. So the very first episode of season four is going to be Chris and Tammy. That's the premiere. Okay. Um, and then we're going into episode two will be shattered. The Magnum TA story. So Magnum TA is number two. Okay. Number three is the, is, is the Graham family, the Graham family dynasty, Eddie Graham, Mike Graham. Um, episode four is going to be uh, Matt Bourne slash doink the clown. Um, episode five is the junkyard dog. Episode six is Adrian Adonis. Um, episode seven is bash at the beach. 2000. I'm sure you're excited about that. Uh, <laughs> yes. Of course, <laughs> Hulk Hogan at his finest. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, uh, episode eight is Abdul the Butcher. Episode nine is Bam Bam Bigelow. And then save the best for last. <laughs> the uh, the season finale will be Marty Jannetty. All right, then we'll start at the end and work to the to the front then. So let's start okay. with Marty. Yeah, everything. Everything that I've heard about this episode is that this thing is going to be insane. <laughs> Why is the Marty Jannetty episode the thing everybody is buzzing about? Why is the Marty Jannetty episode uniquely insane, Evan? Well, I think there's a lot of curiosity, you know, about Marty Jannetty and what's real and what's not. You know, um, I think I think there's a lot of interest in that. Everybody knows he's capable of some unhinged interviews and some some pretty bizarre stuff he's put out there into the world. Let's just to say the least. Um, but for me, you know, um, I, I think it's a fascinating subject. You know, I've always loved the Rockers. You know, Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty, one of the best tag teams ever. You know, for me, you know, that was right in the pocket there when I was a kid. So I was way into it. And I think this story, I kind of equate it to like a band. It's like my second band analogy of the of the interview here. But it's kind of like when you have a when you have a band that makes hit after hit, right? And then they then they break up and you have the one breakout star who, you know, Shawn Michaels, who ascends to new heights. And then you have, you know, the guitar player who's left in the dust kind of thing, right? And can't quite find his footing after that. Yeah, there's opportunities that have maybe come his way, but he's never been able to capitalize on it for various reasons, some of which are rooted in real-life traumas, some of which are rooted in um, addictions or that sense of self-sabotage, you know? Um, so we examine all that, you know, um, as well as I think this episode is really a snapshot of somebody who was at the top at the at their peak at one point and has tried to sort of adjust to that post wrestling life the spotlight is not there anymore you know and 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 how can i how can i how can i gain that same sense of relevance or that same sense of you know um being a part of this world you know and it, whether that's through being provoking or controversial and it's kind of like i feel like marty is kind of almost still like he, he loves being a part of that fantasy world of wrestling I feel like in some ways he's perpetuated a separate fantasy world out in, you know, via Facebook 
and all the other things that he's put out there. Is it a the fantasy world. world? Are you telling me he's not actually like killing? He kill He didn't kill that guy, and that he's not all the crazy sex stuff he says. You're saying that's not real. Well, what I'm what I was gonna say is I was gonna say that um, I think that's a perception of it, but I do think there's some truth to a lot of the there, there's there, there's some level of truth to what he's saying. Um, you know, but but it's I I, I don't know if people are going to watch this episode and we're going to like, like, I, like I was explaining earlier with playing right from hell. It's kind of like, you know, you're good. Th- th- this episode walks a line of hearing a lot of different point of views, not only just from Marty, his philosophy towards life, you know, but also the people in his inner circle, you know, and I think you're going to hear a lot of things and you're going to have to decide for yourself what you believe. But I think there's kernels of when I say truth, I don't maybe necessarily is, do these things happen? Yes or no. You know, but I think they're rooted in something. Do you know what I'm saying? By that? Oh, I, I, yeah, I get the vibe you're putting out right now. And by okay. the way, I, don't I was spoil already... it either. So. No, I know you don't want to spoil it, but you had. I was on the hook for this episode, and now I'm like doubly on the hook for this episode. Okay, okay, okay. No, yeah. no, for sure, for sure. I mean, it's because he's such yeah. he is such an interesting character, and he yeah. he he is a part of the episode, right? If I'm remembering the trailer. Oh yeah, correctly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's just one quick thing I'll say real quick, and I'll be done on this. But no, the fine. last thing is like. You know, this show, when we make it, we only get to spend like a couple hours with an interview subject. Like, you know, it's it's one day, few hours, long interview. That's normally how things go. And we knew right away that if we were ever going to do this episode, that that would be impossible with Marty. It's like we have to and we had the luxury of being able to spend four whole days with him. So this episode is really different feeling, I think, in a lot of ways, too, where, you know, I think we had to really immerse ourselves in, you know, in in, in Marty Gennetti land. And we did. And I think we landed on the perfect title for the episode, which is The World According to Marty Gennetti. Fair <laughs> which enough. I think perfectly now, sums up the themes of it. Yeah. What is it like spending four days with Marty Gennetti? How was that experience? Well, um, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> you know, um, I can't even put it any other way. I mean, he's. He's funny. Okay. He's funny. He's crass. He's, um, he's going through a really hard time. Let's, you know, he's got a lot of injuries, Mm -hmm. uh, from his time in the ring, um, which is, you know, very hard to see. Uh, for example, we interviewed his doctors in the episode and they, and we asked him like, Hey, on a scale of one to 10, what, what's Marty's pain like on a daily basis? And they were like 12, you know, like 12 and he's in a wheelchair for the most part, you know? But he's got such a bizarre outlook on life. And I think part of it, too, is he considers um, his philosophy is this thing called GAT, G-A-T, God's amusement toy, is how he looks at the thing, all of his mis- misfortunes in life. Like, you know, you know, when God's bored of tornadoes and earthquakes, he just goes to fuck with Marty Gennetti. That's, wow. the way he looks, that's the way he looks at it. But obviously, a lot of people around him are like, no, Marty, you know, you've you're the person that's responsible for these misfortunes, you know? And so, yeah, it's just a, it's a wild portrait of, of, of Marty Gennady. And I've always been fascinated, like, you know, what, whatever happened to Marty after all this and what's he been up to in the last few years. And I think you get a very clear sense of that. Uh, let's go to the one you started off with then Tammy and, sure. and Chris Candido. Yes. So yes. Sonny Tamara, for those that don't know her by Tamara Sitch, Sonny, yeah. her and Chris, very interesting story here. I'm glad that you guys decided to to put a focus on this one. Um, yeah. But Tammy is currently sitting in jail. Now, yeah. does she have involvement in this episode at all or no? So we'll just, just take a step back. So the, the Chris and Tammy episode, that story has been one that has been on our wish list since the very beginning. 
um, since the very, 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 very beginning of the show. Um, we had corresponded with Tammy when she was, uh, back then, you know, when she was in jail, we wrote letters, we had correspondence that would, you know, come back and forth from her trying to piece this thing together. And just as the way that things worked out timing wise, every time we were in production, uh, she was in, she was in jail. And every time we were off, you know, for the brief window, she'd be out. And so um, things never quite lined up and we'd always push it down. We'd, we'd just kick it down to the next season. Like, okay, we'll revisit it in two. We'll revisit it in three and then now four. And now is kind of the time where we thought we just wanted to really try to make it happen because of maybe her circumstances that she's in now, <clears throat> which is a little different than they were before, uh, you know, with these manslaughter, you know, charges that she's facing. And, um, and so we really tried to get her for this season. Uh, we talked to her legal representation. We had correspondence. And the final decision was made pretty much at the last second that we, you know, literally up to the, the cutoff where uh, she got the advice from her, her attorneys not to participate, which I understand. You know, you got a trial coming up. You don't want anything to influence anybody in the wrong way. So we totally understand that. So we did pivot from there into still committing to do the story once and for all. But we definitely, it, it's heavier on Chris Candido. Um, I think had we got, you know, Tammy, uh, it, you know, in the chair for an interview, we probably would have expanded it to a longer episode. But I think spotlighting Chris Candido was really important for me because, I mean, I was a huge ECW fan growing up as a kid. And I've always felt that Chris Candido is super unsung. Uh, I think that um, he was a little before, was a little, he was before his time. I mean, you know, his size and his move set and his style is now more in style now than it was then. I feel like in a lot of ways. And I think had he, if he were around today, he would still be such an influential force in, in wrestling. I could see that. And so, I mean, I always loved the power bomb off the top rope was like the craziest finisher. And, but this story also just dramatically is just, is, is, um, Oh man, it's so riveting and it is very tragic, you know, you know, kind of warning to everybody. This is a pretty sad story, but <clears throat> it's crazy because Chris Candido was somebody who was always on track to become a wrestler when he was five years old. And you see that in the episode that he's dying, you know, or his, 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 his dream in life, you know, was to be a wrestler and he was anything he did in life was going to be towards that goal. And he achieved it, right? But then by chance, he meets Tammy in a wrestling match. And she had no aspirations to be in the wrestling business. She was a pre-med student. And so, and they were very young, impressionable, innocent couple that you see very young, kind of getting swept up into this era of wrestling, you know, this, this kind of era of wrestling that, you know, was wrought with painkillers and drugs and partying and excess. And you just kind of see like how they come out on the other end. You know, obviously, Chris passes away super young and now Tammy's situation it's almost unfathomable to how they started and where they wound up and so it is it is a roller coaster for sure man uh all yeah. right last last topic i want to bring up here because i only have a couple minutes left now yeah, about no nah, it's fine uh, this has all been very good <laughs> this has all been very good uh the one thing i get asked most about in regard to dark side of the ring is sure. uh something that happened last year so uh, last uh, September, I don't know if you heard about AEW All Out. Uh, I was uh, <laughs> sitting there, and CM yeah. Punk came at me about who my friends were and who I do improv with. And then he laid into everybody, and then he walked backstage, and then everybody started beating the piss out of each other. Dog got yeah. hurt. Whole nine yards. 
Um, do you have plans to do an AEW all out episode of Dark Side of the Ring and a hypothetical season five? Oh my God. <clears throat> well, okay, because I've been asked about this a lot, uh, actually, in the last 24 hours. And also, am I not the asked... first interviewer to ask you this or no? Unfortunately, not. No. Uh, <laughs> fuck him. That's fine. Fuck him. I don't give a shit. I was a. I was involved. I was the. I. I should be a talking yeah. head in this episode if you do I it. Right, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. No. 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 Um. No. No. But people have asked us about not only this, but they've also asked us about other. You know, I'd say contemporary, um, situations in wrestling, and and I do get a kick out of. I have to say, anytime that there is, you know, some new wrestling drama or some new controversy that instantaneously social media lights up with the dark side memes. You know, that's very fun. <laughs> um, but I will say this about that story in particular. Like, first off, like, we, we just the way that the show is constructed, the way that our style is, I guess you could say, in terms of, like, you know, most of our stories are obviously in the past. They're not, very, you know, present breaking news type stories. I think if we were to ever cover anything more in a modern sense, it would probably be for a different show. Only in that, you know, we 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 only get that opportunity to do the one interview. We're looking at hindsight. We're looking at things that happened in the past. You know, uh, when stories have been told and there's a definite end to those stories, you know, there's a resolution or there's something, right? I think anything like with this story or a story like about, you know, Vince McMahon over the last, you know, year or so, you know, things like that. Like, I don't think those stories are done. You know, I don't think they're done being told. And I think that uh, for us, if we were to cover them, it might have to be in some other capacity just because by the nature of just how the show is put together. Um, so, yeah, I, I think any of those, you know, modern things, it's kind of like we got to still wait, you know, a couple years, see how this thing whole shakes out. Maybe it's maybe there's more to the story than that, that that's there in this present moment. What I heard was the much teased dark side of the ring uh seven buck production mystery project is actually the rock producing an <laughs> aw all out brawl out docuseries for vice tv starring nick hausman talking head oh That's all, no, I mean, no 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 i'm not sure that either said, i'm sure you said other things but all in my head i could hear was that so no anyway. no no it's there's it's also like look i mean that's a very inside baseball story too not to say that we don't do those i mean bash at the beach 2000 is pretty freaking inside baseball but you know for the most part we try to try to take those bigger bigger stakes incidents not to minimize your experience but yeah <laughs> that's fine minimize away i'm small part i'm a big part of all this shit there's a lot of people way richer with way higher stakes in this than me i'm sitting here we're gonna make jokes about it there's a billion dollar payday hanging over the head of tony Khan and AEW right now get it together <laughs> anyway uh evan this, <laughs> this was a lot of fun i'm very excited about next tuesday i love the series i'm obviously a big mark for what you guys do oh, um thanks, yeah, absolutely. Um, what do you want to uh, What do you want to send everybody out uh, with here today? Anything you want to make sure that everybody knows about the show? Yeah, uh, season four is premiering Tuesday, May thirtieth, ten p.m. Vice TV. Every Tuesday at ten. After that, uh, ten episodes this season. Um, yeah, lots of different uh, stories. There are a lot of you know territory driven stories in this season. I mean, it's no 
it's no coincidence that our experience on Tales from the Territory is kind of informed where we'd go a little bit with season four. So there might be some names, some deeper cut names like, you know, Adrian Adonis or Matt Bourne that you don't know, you know, a ton about going in. Maybe you knew Doink from the wrestling video games or Adrian Adonis from WrestleMania three. But, you know, take the ride, man, because these stories are, 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 are absolutely fascinating, not only just learning that these were some of the greats, but also um, there's some fascinating human interest angle to it as well, too. So. Uh, don't be scared of the deep cuts, you know. And we are back here in the House of Wrestling living room. Uh, our good friend Evan Husney has just left and now coming to sit on the couch by the fireside. Our friend Andrew Gordon McPherson. You may better know him as the composer for Dark Side of the Ring. Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me here today. Thanks for having me. Now, I didn't tell you as we were connecting here and getting situated, but I did. I talked to Evan here just about an hour and a half ago. Before we before we did this, and he talked an infinite amount of shit about you. I'm just kidding. No, he said nothing but positive things. He said that you were the Buddy Roberts of the fabulous Freebirds trio. That is uh, <laughs> you, him, and Jason. And he said that you are vital to the success in production of Dark Side of the Ring. First of all, how does that feel to have me relay those nice sentiments that Evan had about you? I, I you know, I. Uh... I'm very touched and, uh, you know, I couldn't obviously couldn't do it without them. Uh, and they're, you know, they're, it's really easy to be brilliant when you're, uh, when you're, uh, supporting two other really brilliant, uh, guys on some brilliant filmmaking. I I've said brilliant too many times where now it's going to sound like I think about that word more than I do. It's but okay. It's that's, okay. uh, no, I, I love those guys. I'll follow them anywhere. If they want to make a easy bake oven series next, I'm right there. So when you get given an episode, Andrew, uh, let's take, for example, what we now know is going to be the season premiere episode, Chris and Tammy. Yeah. So when you get given an episode, how does your process, how does the process play out for you when it comes to composing music for one of these episodes? Uh, well, it, it's very fast. I have about a week to do all the music for an episode. And, wow. Um, so I I watch it as soon as I get it. And then I, uh, I basically make a flag every time I think there should be a new piece of music uh, or anywhere they've indicated that they're like if they put in temp music, like where it is and what I think it is. And I try and spot where the the major kind of beats are and stuff because a lot of Dark Side episodes there there are similar there are similar uh you know mile markers you know there's you know there there's a setup there's usually a family or like close relationship that we need to settle set up there's usually like a uh what i like to call the strut section which is like look how cool our subject is or how cool the world is what we're exploring and then there's like a the paddle section i call it which is like getting deeper uh so it's it's just like here's here's what was going on in the wwe at that time and how and, and then you know anyway there's there's a bunch of these kind of mile markers that i i'm like i know i gotta hit these but then i gotta walk away and think about like like since the beginning of dark side of the room we we always wanted to make every episode almost like a different genre of cinema yeah like we wanted to make like like uh randy and elizabeth is our like uh like 
royal wedding episode. It's like it's, it's like our royal romance, and the, but the, 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 we have like our our you know true crime episode. We have our Twilight Zone uh, episode, kind of like. And so I try and think about like what is unique about this story and what's what is cinematic about it and uh, so for the premiere of which you mentioned which is uh chris candido and tammy sitch a couple things is like in the beginning we spent a lot of time with his brother uh with chris candido's brother and he talks about some of his favorite memories of growing up with chris was chris like doing the power like power bombing him into the waves on the beach oh yeah and um but I remember from watching wrestling when I was a kid, uh, the Sunny promos. I'm sure every young boy remembers them. Uh, her in a bikini on the beach. All of these beach promos of Sunny and the you know the cover of Sunny, the music that would play. So it's like, is this our beach movie? Like, is this our is this our tragic beach movie? So that's kind of that is, I mean, that's really a very basic way of putting it. But I start thinking about like, what are some things. What's something I haven't done in Dark Side yet that I can marry with the things I kind of always do in Dark Side uh, to make this episode be able to stand on its own and be unique and be relevant to, like, specifically relevant to the subjects. And and once I figure that out, then I just, like, put my head down and write it until it's done. So was there one particular episode for the uh, upcoming season four that you got really excited that, that that really grabbed you and you were excited to to sink your teeth into on a musical level? Um, wow. I mean, there's a lot of awesome episodes this season, and I I get the I get the cuts really early. So like sometimes like the reenactments haven't been shot usually, and sometimes oh. all of the interviews aren't even done. Like I I sort of. I end up scoring to a lot of like black title cards that say like, you know, Shawn Michaels kicks Marty Jannetty through a window. Uh, (laughs) Fair enough. You know, um, but there are some that even in their sort of most rudimentary form, you can tell are going to be crazy. And the Marty Jannetty one, uh, (laughs) I I think is going to be that. And Abdullah the Butcher, I think is going to be that. And I really, but I, I also really love doing junkyard dog and bam bam um and but but yeah musically it's funny because they they the week goes by so fast that it that it's like it's hard to uh like i i get obsessed in the for the week of like doing like running at the thing that i'm doing and then i have to kind of walk away from it to go on to the next episode so but there's some crazy episodes this season you say crazy. You brought up that Marty Jannetty episode, and everyone said that this thing is insane. You know, there are no shortage of crazy antics or stories about Marty Jannetty. You know, you talk about, like, each episode having a theme. Like, how do you approach a Marty? Is it like, this is our carnival episode? Is it a bunch of, like, squeaky toy sound effects? Like, how do you... What What is the tone you set with Marty Jannetty? Um, so... I don't want to give away too much in the episode, but there is with a lot of different subjects that we've sort of encountered and covered, there is an element of like, am, am I the viewer via the like dark side of the ring crew being worked? Um, and there is, there's sort of like, uh, 
I can't. I don't think I can crystallize the Marty Jannetty episode as clearly as this. it's the Twilight Zone episode, or it's the. Um, but the there's a the sort of main cue that I wrote for it. I think is called the Fabulist, which is basically like an old timey term for like someone who is. Uh, you can't tell if they're telling the truth or telling a lie almost at all, almost all the time, and the thing with that episode is you know that side of him is supported but the things that are true about him are supported as well in other ways that are shocking and confusing and amazing fair enough now uh (laughs) A lot of people very excited about this season. A lot of people get excited for, for all the seasons, right? You guys have done such an incredible job. Uh, one thing I got Evan's take on uh, when I was speaking to him earlier, I'd like to get your take on it as well from, from a little bit different perspective, was some of the fallout from season three. I mean, you guys got, especially from the Plane Ride from Hell episode, Oof. a lot more attention, a lot more scrutiny, a lot more controversy than I think that the show had ever courted in the past. What was it like for you to to watch the show elicit that kind of a reaction and, like, what was your take on 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 having to see it all play out? I guess. Um, surprise, but not. Uh, let me think. So, with Plane Ride from Hell, when I first saw it in its rudimentary form, the thing that jumped out to me that I thought was going to cause the most controversy that that seemed to have gotten swept under the rug a little bit. Um, it like when uh, Rob Van Dam talks about the prevalence of the H bombing especially on the road with the you know different women and how common the h basically the date rape was on the right. road when i saw that i was like just the way that he said it was so like like i was so taken aback by it and i was like this is like this is going to send shock waves through the like wrestling fandom that just that they would because i'm sure that people are not I'm sure people are aware that some of that was going on, but the just the way it was teed up and the way that he said it, it just it really like landed with me. The stuff with Tommy Dreamer when I saw it the first time, I, uh, you know, I don't think anyone intended for like the stuff that happened with him. I don't think anyone intended for those kind of consequences to like from the dark side, but because when I saw it, I was just like, he's sticking up for his friend. We try and like. I'm sure the production tried to get Ric Flair to come and speak on his own behalf and probably couldn't get him. Right. So to me, like the, the like function of him in the story was to give Ric Flair's side of things. And the way that he like, the way he sort of like spoke about it is obviously like for a lot of people, very offensive. Um, But if you've ever gone on Twitter during me too, or any of those things, you it was is as if by rote like people will say the same things about any number of people we've seen get in the hot seat that way so i to me i was just like yeah he's he's sticking up for his friend uh it's not this is in the discourse this is not what we would like uh you know the the difficult thing and the thing that i like took that i like was offended by on behalf of the dark side people and we haven't really spoken about this so i don't know how they feel but like the the sort of like the idea that there was some creative editing going on and that or that like what people was saying was being manipulated to say something they hadn't said which i i know for a fact that jason and evan like have reverence for all these wrestlers and they 
and this all of the subjects and try and do right by them and but and try and bring in the other side and try and have an you know even in the the reenactments the reenactments are reenactments of the stories that the people are telling not our interpretation of what happened it's like even if going back to the uwf episode we show multiple ways that herb abrams died that are just the ways that people say he died you know so it's not it's not editorializing per se by jason and evan about about those things it's just capturing what they say anyway but going back to tommy dreamer and the um you know i i think everyone was sorry about how how that happened i think the only the the thing about creative editing was just that heidi was such a compelling voice and her you could see that how heavy the events of the plane ride from hell still weigh on her and weigh on her face and her story is so compelling that when you put it up against a guy who's just sticking up for his friend and is like maybe like i i I don't know somewhat ignorant about what she actually went went through then you're it's gonna feel like like a plus b equals c you're gonna think that we're like trying to put him on the hot seat but it's just like He's just there. To, he's he's there to be the voice of like defense for Ric Flair, and and that's my interpretation of it. Like, sure, uh, I, when I watched it, and what I and knowing those guys and what their intentions are, and what like they just want to tell the best story and do right by the people that they put in front of the camera as much as possible. And and you've heard that account from Martha Hart and from you know lots of and the you know you know. Uh, some of the subject that the Travelloni family and the, um, you know, other people who have been involved in the show. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I answered your question, but this is, this is at least personally to me, what, what it felt like, cause the, the plane ride from the week of plane ride from hell, I was just like, I was like calling, like texting and calling the guys like, are you okay? Like this shit, it seems like it got like went out, went crazy. Like, yeah, and and I didn't, you know, I I just I didn't think that the plane ride from hell one was gonna like blow up like a bomb like that, especially in a season where we had the Grizzly Smith episode and we had, you know, we had other just just world shattering <laughs> episodes I, in that season. So I, I think he I think he hit the nail on the head when you talk about the flight Heidi, the flight attendant who who went on the record and broke her NDA. Very compelling story, right? Very tough to go up against that. You know, especially when she gets to the part about Rick allegedly forcing her hand onto his penis and it it, it begins to cross the line. And we did see some ramifications coming out of it for Rick, but they didn't really seem to last that long. You know, it was like maybe a couple months and I remember talking to people at the time saying, I don't know how Rick comes back from this one. And, and to a T, uh, sadly, I had many Hall of Famers tell me this will all be done in six months. He'll be back in the fold. And that's exactly how it played out. And I, I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I I don't want to, like, play into the cliche of going on a podcast and talking about cancel culture and stuff. But <laughs> oh, like, boy, here we go. But, but yeah. I uh, all, all I'll say to that fact is just, like, the people, the only ones who have stayed canceled, are the people who, like, you know, charges were brought against them, and even then, it's like, yeah. you know, it's just like, and tell that to then, Joey Ryan, yeah, yeah, you know, but I, so, I, uh, I don't know, uh, I don't think I can guarantee you that the 
you know, Jason and Evan are not, we're not trying to, there's no, there's no conspiracy. There's no deep state of wrestling journalism that are trying to tear down Ric Flair or, or anyone. Uh, we're just trying, we're just really trying to make a, an awesome movie <laughs> in this, in the form of a dark side of the ring episode. And, and the thing was high. I mean, I just feel like you can't help, but be moved and and the public was moved by Heidi's account of what happened, and for better or for worse, you know. All right, last thing here. Uh, I'll I'll ask you what I ask Kevin another thing here. Uh, do you want an AEW all out Dark Side of the Ring episode? Do you want to see the fight be the focus of a story? Do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea? Um, do I think it's a good idea or a bad idea? I think. I think you got to wait and let everything play out. And like some of the beauty of dark side of the ring, especially like how we capture the reenactments and the sort of tone that we try and hit with the music and everything is the like remembering and possibly misremembering and the of things. So I, I don't know. It's my, like, I think almost anything in the AEW realm, that's not, uh, that's not a last act part of a longer older story i got you know, it. it it's it's uh it's probably it needs its time to uh you know sit in the bottle and uh age like a fine wine a little bit i that would be my take and, and also i just i know all of the stories or i know a lot of the stories that they want to tell that still haven't even been told from the our era of uh you know when watching when we were kids and the people involved then so We'll see. All right. Uh, well, I want to thank you, Andrew, so much for taking the time to chat with me here again. Uh, May 30th, next Tuesday, uh, the season four episode of Dark Side of the Ring uh, will be on Vice TV. It is the uh, Chris and Tammy episode leading off. Uh, Andrew, anything you want to tell everybody to check out or promote here before we wrap up uh, today? Uh, you can probably find me on Instagram, Ango underscore composer. That's A-N-G-O underscore composer. And uh, I'm... Just uh, writing, writing wrestling music every day and every night. So uh, come and, of course, check out Dark Side of Season Four. It's gonna be, it's gonna be amazing. All right. <laughs>